As you're doing that, I'd ask you to be turning in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to be in the last two verses um, of Ephesians 3 and the first 16 verses of Ephesians 4. Um, I had given Chris 4, 1 through 20 a few weeks ago, but um, you get two extra verses for no additional charge um, in chapter 3 this morning. Let me remind you as we read Ephesians that there's a pattern in these Pauline letters of generally an indicative portion of Paul reminding us of what God has done in Christ, of who we are, of uh, what the, the gospel's power is. And then often in the latter portion of his letters, uh, he speaks to us about the implications of that. And what does it mean in light of these things that he said, in light of these truths, uh, how ought we then to live? And some books, are, it divides out just perfectly, and Ephesians is one of those. And so the first three chapters are very much the indicatives of what God has done, and chapters four through six are the so what, uh, what now, uh, implications of all of that. And so we're going to start in three, at the end of three. As we go to God's Word, let's ask His blessing on its reading and preaching. Pray with me. Our Lord and our God, we hold in our hands these Bibles that contain the words that were breathed out by you as you carried men along by the Holy Spirit. They are for our reproof, for our training in righteousness, for our growth in godliness, that we might more and more have this family likeness of this new family. Lord, would you make now the meditations of uh, our hearts and the words of my mouth to be acceptable in your sight. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gifts. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he, also, he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who is also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, 
to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working perfectly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Thus far, God's inerrant and infallible word. Well, I realized when I saw the PDF of the bulletin a few days ago when it was sent to me by email that to say that the title of the sermon is God's Plan for 2024 uh, might make you think you were going to get stock tips or you were going to know where the futures markets were headed or that somehow I had a word of knowledge and was going to tell you who would be the next president of the United States or something like that. And on the one hand, my... um, my, my speaking of the plan of God for 2024 is more modest than that, and yet I would also argue it is more grand and glorious than that. Because what I intend for us to consider this morning, on this last day of the year, tomorrow being the beginning of 2024, is what is God's plan for Christ's covenant church for 2024? Now, your elders and deacons and leaders will, I'm sure, are working through plans for this upcoming year. They're accounting for the, the vacancy in the, uh, in the pulpit, in the senior minister role, and um, I'm sure we all would love to know, well, who is that next person going to be? Isn't that the big question? Isn't that the thing we need to know for 2024? And I want to argue this morning that that is not the most important question before this congregation. As important and vital as that role is, there's something far more important in the life of the body here and how the glorious truths of the gospel transform what a congregation is like and what this season of life might be like in this particular church, in this place. There's that beautiful verse in 1 Chronicles 12 during the battle between David and Saul over control of the the kingdom of Israel and Judah. And we're told about the men of Issachar, that they had an understanding of the times and they knew what to do. This morning, we need an understanding of the times, not so much out there, but an understanding of the times in here. An understanding of this season of this congregation's life. An understanding of what God might do in this particular church in this particular year ahead. More than most of the guest preachers in this season, I've got some sense of who you are and where you've been. And and I hope this morning as we move through Ephesians 4, what the Lord might do in this place in these coming months. You know, the Bible doesn't really contemplate a disconnected Christian. The Bible always uh, speaks of Christians in a particular place. And the Ephesians, you know, weren't just a name. that It was the city of Ephesus. You can go there. Pat, Patty and I were in Ephesus last year. And, I mean, you can, you can walk the streets of ancient Ephesus. 
where the Christians who received this letter were. And they met together, Lord's Day by Lord's Day. And they gathered around the Word, and they sang praises to God, and they prayed together, and they did life with one another very similarly in, in key ways to what you do here in Greensboro. And so when we think about God's Word to the saints in a particular place, it isn't pie in the sky out there. It's real people. And some of them are people like you, and some of them are people that you like, and others are strange people, or they're different people or from you. And, and God weaves this body together in this particular place. And in writing to the Ephesians, as we, as we get into these verses, I want you to keep something in mind. When the word you is in these verses, um, American Standard English lacks the proper term y'all. And we, most of us, I think, probably sit alone and we read our Bibles and, you know, I urge you to walk in a manner and we think, okay, that's me. No, the Apostle Paul in every one of these cases and in the way he conjugates the verbs, these are you plural. He is writing to the Ephesians. He's writing, if you will, then to the saints in Greensboro. And he's saying, I want you to walk, you all to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you've been called. And so as we look at these verses this morning, I want you to think about this season, this season of this congregation's life, and how it might show forth something beautiful and glorious. And you say, well, yeah, but I mean, what are the odds of that happening in the church during this kind of weird in-between season? Friends, look back in your Bible in chapter 3 of Ephesians. Verse 9, the, what is the plan of the mystery hidden for the ages in God who created all things so that through the church, again, not just the church out there, the church here, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. There is something God might be pleased to teach the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places, not to mention a watching world and a watching community are all around us here in Guilford County, about his wisdom through the church. That's his plan for doing it. That's his plan A for doing it, is through the church. And so this morning, let's look firstly at what I'll call the plan for 2024 for this church. And beginning in verse 1, Paul says, I therefore, prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. What does that manner look like? Well, verse 2, all humility and gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one Spirit, and, and there's one body and one Spirit. And you, you were called to that one thing. It is critical that as this church moves from one season of its life into a new season of life, that we all get there together. 
These these yous, as I said, are you all. Y'all do this. And so this walking with patience and gentleness and humility with one another has a goal. And the the goal of this is, is getting through 2024 together in a way that shows the world and shows the, the heavenly rulers and authorities, whoever, whatever that means, the power, the resurrection power of Christ Jesus. And so this is not a season for sort of sitting on the bench and saying, well, things will slow down until the new guy gets here, and then they'll sort of pick back up again, and we'll kind of get on with the future. No, this is the time even more than normal to lean in to this life of the body, this one body and one spirit, so that we all get there. And so we are particularly bearing with one another, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit of the, of the bond of peace. That is the plan. That is the plan for this church for 2024. That is, that is the work God has given. But he hasn't left us alone in that. He also gives us the means for achieving that. Look in verse 7. Grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gifts. And then he speaks of the ascended Christ leading a host of captives, and he gives gifts to men. Now, we're going to set aside for this morning verses 9 and 10. There's some important points we could make from that, but they really don't relate to what we're talking about, and it's a kind of a, be about a 15 or 20-minute excursus that we're, we're just not going to do. But go back to verse 11. What are those gifts that the ascended Christ has given to the church, to this church? Well, he gave apostles and prophets and evangelists, for starters. Through the ministry of the, the apostles, through the ministry of the prophets, we have this Bible that we hold in our hands. We have God's very words. We, we hold God's word and that same spirit that breathed it out through uh, the, the apostles and the prophets now aids you and me as we read this Bible and as we try to make sense of it and as we say, okay, in light of these things that that God has done in Christ, now so what in my home and so what in my workplace and so what in this congregation among us? Those means he's given us. And the evangelists, we, we have a congregation, we have churches in particular places that if you trace it back logically, go back to those evangelists that went out from Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And, but what did he also give? Shepherds and teachers. He always gives those things in the plural. And so, yes, though there is uh, sort of a missing uh, position on the field right now of that week-by-week preacher, the moderator of the session, he has given other shepherds and teachers. He has given uh, you wonderful elders and deacons, and he's raised up other teachers in the life of the congregation to take what the prophets and the apostles gave and to uh, teach that and explain the sense of it 
uh, and to help us work that in to the life of the congregation. It's the place where we do all of those one another's. I mean, how can you uh, go back to verse uh, 2? How can you bear with one another unless you're with one another? You know, when I have to bear with one another on a day when I'm completely by myself, it's, I, I do a great job. It's really easy for me to bear with me. It's harder to bear with you, and you find it hard to bear with me. And that's when it requires this gospel-fueled humility and gentleness and patience and forbearance with one another. Not, not rolling over as if the, uh, you give a heckler's veto to the person with the strongest personality, but saying, no, it's important that we get these questions right, but it's important that we get these questions right together. And so my goal in these things is the truth, but is that, is that you get the truth along with me and I get the truth and we understand this one body, one Christ, this one Father overall, this life together. And so he gives these means for building up, this, to equip the saints, verse 12, for the work of ministry and the building up the body of Christ. And then the apostle shows us the goal of this whole thing, of this working out of this plan and his giving us the means. He says, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. It says, no, instead we grow up into the one who is the head. And it's not an option that it just be survival of the fittest, you see. There is this oneness, this allness, this usness, if I can put it that way, to this to this building up, to this maturing in Christ. And that takes place certainly week by week, Lord's Day by Lord's Day, as we come together, as the word is read and sung and proclaimed and touched and seen in the sacraments, as we do that. And it also happens is over the lunch table, and it happens at our, in family worship, and it happens at Panera, and it happens at Starbucks, and it happens as you, as you text somebody in the body, and you make it your business in this season in particular to lean in to this bearing with one another, to lean into the usness and the allness that this season not be one that is fracturing and that we not come over the months ahead to see this as some sort of a jump ball. And if we can just get the, the biggest faction and the biggest coalition to, to knock it in the right direction, we can, we can get things where we want them. But it says, no, we, we all need to get there. And we need to get to the right answer together. And so it's important... Um, Picking up in verse 15, speaking the truth in love, we grow up in every way. We grow up in every way. Not just me and the people I like grow up in every way. Not just, but it's verse 16, from whom the whole body 
joined and held together. Remember, in other places, the apostle speaks about the ear can't say to the eye, well, since you're not an, an ear, I have no need of you. Or the hand can't say to the foot, you know, all we really need are hands. No, we, we need feet as well. And the, and the body is this beautiful, diverse thing. Not just ethereally, principally up there somewhere. But I mean here, at this address on Jefferson Road. And it, it's not happenstance. It is not random that you are here in this season, in 2024, in the life of this particular congregation. And so there's, there's an opportunity to lean in, to embrace God's plan for this body for this next year. And while we are blessed to have wonderful leaders and shepherds and teachers, it doesn't require that there be someone in that senior minister role in order for these things to happen. In fact, it will show forth something beautiful to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places, as well as to the people in the neighborhoods and in the community around us. Something of, of the beauty of the church, of the beauty of God's plan, of the beauty of what it is to take selfish, self-centered, hot messes like Samson, like me, and you, and to weave them together to make this beautiful tapestry that is the church. Or to switch metaphors, the, one of the ones the Bible uses is a temple with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone and all of these, these rocks stacked and built together and bound together and it produces this beautiful edifice. And that doesn't require that you have the same preacher every week. Now that's ideal. It's, it's preferable. Uh, it would be a good thing. But it's not required for us each to lean in to these things. I was not here during either of the two pastoral searches uh, before the one you were about to undertake. It's kind of by nature, if you think about it, if you're the pastor, you don't come until the search is concluded. There was one pastoral search, there have been two pastoral searches in this church's 43-ish year history. And one of them, I think, brought this congregation together in beautiful ways. And I think it's the, you've seen that in this most recent season of church life. As the psalmist would say, the lines have fallen in pleasant places. But there was another one. And it tore this congregation to shreds. And brothers and sisters, there's a choice before us. Will we be about us all getting there and walking in the truth, but walking in the truth together and being patient and forgiving and tender-hearted? And striving to make the church, the body, in a particular place with particular, uh, a, a particular address and particular names and telephone numbers and, and people be something 
that God uses to show his wisdom in the heavenly places and in this community around us. And you may say, well, gee, that, that's an awfully tall order. It's, it's much easier, isn't it, to break up into factions and fight than it is to strive toward this unity. And how will we ever achieve that or accomplish that? Look, look back to verses 20 and 21 of chapter 3. The apostle writes, to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. Friends, what might God be pleased to do in this church in 2024 that has nothing to do with who the next senior minister is? It's tempting to say, well, that's the real big question. That's the plan for 2024 is to to get him here and to get him up and going and then to see where things head. And the scriptures tell us the secret things belong to the Lord, (laughs) but the things revealed belong to us and to our children. And this is so clearly revealed. And so my prayer for you is that as you're thinking about what will look different in the new year, how might you strive for these things? Yes, your your elders and your deacons and your leaders are, are leading in these things. But they've got some other things on their plate, like trying to help find who the next man will be. But the thing that we all are given to do, because we're all part of the y'all to whom Paul has written, is how might we strive and contend for the truth in one another? That's the choice before us. And the beauty of it is, it's not some top-down plan in the sense that uh, you get assigned uh, to particular roles and captains and teams and, and all of that. No, this is organic. This happens text by text. And stranger by stranger, as you do the uncomfortable thing and introduce yourself to somebody you don't know, or even harder, because I do it, is introducing yourself to somebody for the 17th time and say, I'm sorry, I still don't haven't remembered your name, but I want to, (laughs) so please tell it to me again. As you open your home, as you reach out to one another, as you draw one another in, and it shows this beautiful thing to the rulers and the heavenly authorities and to the community around us, And those are sufficient reasons, but the other thing it'll do is it will show a prospective pastor what a wonderful congregation this is and what God might be pleased to do in the years ahead. So let me encourage you with that this day as you move into this new year. Let's pray. Our God and our Father, in uncharted times, we are tempted to fret and worry. We are tempted to uh, do outward things that we can control. And Lord, you call us to walk with one another. You call us to a community that, is, um, that reflects 
and is uh, resplendent with uh, gospel beauty and holiness and community. Lord, it is a work of your spirit, but you are abundantly able to do beyond what we can ask or imagine. So do that in this place, we ask, in this year ahead um, with, with no regard uh, to where you lead this congregation in terms of her next minister. Lord, be building a beautiful temple here of gold and jewel and precious stones. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.